0: This is a Soul Fire Production. Hey everybody, um, we're going to keep this episode to a single topic. We're be talking about the, um, the shooting in Uvalde. Uh, this has been um, a really, I mean, say nothing to how rough this is. If you're diving into this kind of stuff, it's nothing compared to what these parents and that community is going through. But uh, it's been a really confusing and, and for many people that do what I do or people that are just observing this, a very frustrating couple days, um, just a huge tragedy. Uh, so off the top here, um, I'm not going to read ads in the show, but, uh, I do have an obligation to my, my sponsors and, uh, want to let you know, um, elemental labs been a supporter of the show for a long time. Um, you can use the link in the show notes. Um, you can get a free variety pack of a really great supplement from a really great company. Um, cured nutrition, another sponsor of this show. Uh, you can get a discount using the, uh, the link in the show notes as well. Uh, promo code homeless at cured um, again, amazing company, great, great products. Um, uh, check that stuff out, but we're not going to, we're not going to spend too much time doing that. I, I like to have uh, fun with my ads and this is not a, um, it's not a fun episode. Uh, not something I'm excited about doing. Um, I've been really, again, like confused. This thing has been written and rewritten as far as what we're going to talk about, uh, numerous times, uh, because the information has changed half a dozen times, uh, in the past few days. So, um, we're going to do the best we can to to put something together here that uh, makes some sense, the way we're going to go about doing this. Um, we're going to cover uh, the Uvalde shooting um, first, of course, the details, what we know, what we don't know, um, going to kind of talk about some of the, 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 the fuckery that's that's been thrown around as far as people saying ridiculous shit. Um, off the top here, I want to say um, I'm not inter- inter- interested in, in entertaining conspiracy theory nonsense about... This 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 just shooting. I'm just. I have I have zero. I've had people DMing me about crisis actors and how did some kid get these weapons? It just they did an actor shoot a drill two two months before. Like honestly, fuck yourself. Fuck yourself if you're going to be sliding into my DMs sending conspiratorial. I will fucking block you immediately. Nineteen kids are dead and two teachers are dead. Okay. So unless your child died and you want to send me conspiratorial bullshit, be my guest. But without that, with that exception, fuck off. Seriously, uh, and that goes for the comments in this video. Um, that goes for the comments and and and, every, and everything I'm doing. I'm not interested. Okay, I have zero interest in it. Fucked up things happen. This is a fucked up thing, and um, <clears throat> I'm not. Yeah. I'm not, I'm not, I'm not playing that game with anybody. Um, so keep that shit to yourself or amongst your cohort of retards that you want to be fucking hang out with. Like, I'm just not, I'm not, I'm not playing this game. Um, yeah. So we've got a lot to talk about. Um, and my heart just goes out to these people I'm from, and we'll talk about this as we get into it. I'm from a small Texas town. Uh, so, uh, I'm also was an 18 year old who bought, uh, an M 16, you know, an AR style rifle. um, but anyways that's what I, I can't, I'm, I'm already losing track of where I'm at but we're gonna start off with the Valley shooting uh, we're gonna go into just talking about shootings in general and how you know something that this kind of occurred to me and something I thought about over this this past week or so around um, gun violence in general and different origins different reasons different uh, symptoms there's symptoms of different issues uh, in many ways and then uh, we're gonna talk about I, I want to do this um, kind of long gun 101. Um, because I see a lot of people, particularly conservatives, <clears throat> on social media and various other places that, that like to criticize uh, people that are maybe um, uneducated about firearms, uh, like to criticize them for not knowing that AR doesn't stand for assault rifle and what this is and what that is. Um, and they really don't take any time to educate people on on what's what and the basics um, because they would prefer to be condescending assholes and, and use that line instead of um, have some kind of productive dialogue. So. I want to also say, uh, if you're not watching the video version, that that section will be more geared um, towards video. I've got a handful of different firearms here that I'm going to actually bring up and and kind of explain the differences and 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 we'll kind of pair that talking about um, some some I believe what I believe would be rational reforms and some of that means more restrictions in some areas and less restrictions in other areas. Um, but we'll get into it. As everybody knows, I'm, I'm very pro Second Amendment, and the way that COVID's been handled has only reinforced that belief. <clears throat> excuse me guys but um yeah we'll get into it uh and uh yeah so let, let's let's go let's try it out and see how it goes Okay, Uh, Uvalde, 19 kids, two adults, 18-year-old shooter, tragedy, terrible. Um, Before we get into the details and the timelines, I want to give a little bit of context um, on myself. Um and why I'll be speaking the way I'm speaking about, whether it be small town Texas police officers or eighteen year olds um getting ARs or M sixteens or M fours, whatever you want to call them, things based on the Armalite platform. Um I grew up in a town about uh, a little smaller than half the size of Evaldi, a small town Texas, uh called Graham. Um the police officers in Graham are a fucking joke. And I hope some of you see this so you can understand you're a fucking joke. Um, They're either kids that were bullied in high school and like to to pull over kids for going three miles over the speed limit, give you a window tent ticket. Um, That's their role. They don't protect and serve anything. They like to lock up addicts, I guess, without solving any fucking problems. Uh, Whenever anything really bad happens, they call the feds in because they're completely fucking incompetent. Um, They're oftentimes fat as fuck uh and don't protect and serve anything besides uh, themselves and maybe a stack of pancakes. Um that's the kind of cops that I grew up around and I'm assuming being that Uvalde is a town uh marginally smaller than my hometown, um it's very similar. And from the photos I've seen and the way that these police officers behaved, uh I I I I believe that they're culpable for 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 at least a portion of these deaths. Um I don't respect cops because they're cops. I respect humans based on their actions. And from what I've seen from the Uvalde PD and whoever was on scene there that was interfering with parents actually trying to do the right thing. From the uh, police officers who went into the school, rescued their own children and didn't engage the shooter. And I can understand getting your children out first before you engage the shooter. I can understand that. But not going back in. um, I have zero respect for you. Um, detaining a parent who is irate, of course, because their child's uh, in a school that is being shot up by a fucking psychopath, an evil person, is criminal. I hope you all lose your fucking jobs. I, I don't even think you're qualified to be a fucking mall cop. So that's where I'm at with that. I've had people upset with me uh, based on my criticism of the police. Um, listen, I know how these cops work, man. Now I know good cops, and there are good cops. I have friends that are great cops. But um, what police officers are allowed to get away with, it's, it's you know, it, it's it's sad to me that it's finally taken something this extreme and this tragic for police to face some kind of accountability from various <laughs> areas along the political spectrum. Um, you know, people will say they're following protocol and that they're you know, we'll get into the, the 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 rationale behind this. I don't buy it. Um it's cowards. And uh if someone tried to get between me and saving my child's life, um I I, I don't I, I wouldn't I, I don't know what would stop me right? Like, like that person would die before I let them get in between me and my child in danger. Um, now I understand, uh, that may not be the, maybe everybody has access to that kind of mentality. and, And I, I understand that. Um, but the fact that there was 19 cops outside of this school, um, corralling parents is just insane. Um, so let's go into, uh, Some things that uh, we need to know, basic timelines. We'll play some more stuff here. Um, I will say these are going to be some of the sources I've used. Upward News has done a good job of just presenting straightforward facts here. Um, So we've got heartbreaking updates on the Uvalde shooting here. And we'll go through the timeline as well. Um, It says, "What what was reported before? Based on testimony from officials in Uvalde, It was initially reported that police had been outside the school for almost an hour as the shooter was barricaded in a classroom. The testimony implied that police likely believed there was no urgency because the shooter was contained. That, of course, has been um, torn to pieces from the fact there was gunshots fired during 911 calls. Um, Now, we got to keep in mind here. (coughs) Excuse me, guys. i got something in my throat here. But we got to keep in mind that um, there are situations, right? So the Pulse nightclub... Um, went from an active shooter situation to a uh, contained hostage situation. And in that case, um, you don't want to go in and, and disrupt the situation. You want to try and um, have a negotiation and try to try to talk this person off the ledge, essentially. Um, and, and they're acting as if that was the case here, that wasn't the case. Again, what someone will see called a, a, a lull in the action, um, I think was when the dude ran out of people to kill. Um and we'll see the 911 calls as well. But um, they're trying to shoehorn this situation into in, into some kind of justification, and it's not working. Uh, it's not adding up. Um, it, 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 you know, it, it, it could be cowardice. It could be incompetence. I, I like to think it's a. it seems to me that it, it's, it's a combination of both. Uh, so that's where we're at um, with that situation. Uh, what's being reported now? The gunman arrived at the school at 11.28 a.m., and began firing rounds into school windows. I think that's probably where a lot of the injuries came from, but we don't have those details yet. Local, local officers entered the school at 11.45, two minutes after the shooting. There were 19 officers in the hallway by 12.03 p.m., but they did not breach the door and kill the shooter until 12.50, even as they heard him firing. So let's think about that. Knew where he was, heard him firing, were in the hallway, and they decided to back out they decided to back out. I don't know if I need to um, explain this to police officers in Uvalde, but your life isn't worth more than a child's. You know, my life's not worth more than a child's, and I didn't sign up to protect and serve anyone. I I can't even understand. I had a conversation with my wife about, about this, and I was like, you know, would it upset you if we were there early and ran and got our kids out or a kid out. And I had to go back because there wasn't enough police there or whatever. And she was like, no, you, that's what you'd have to do. And, um, you know, I wasn't there. I can't say that I would, I I can't say that I would have made that decision, but I like to think that that's the mentality, um, that I have. Um, and if I die, I die. But, um, I'll be damned if I sit aside and and let somebody kill innocent defenseless children. Um, 19 officers in the hallway. So now the door was locked. But as we'll see in some of these videos uh, and what you've seen in the videos, we're not going to play all the videos because I don't want to be redundant here because you've seen them everywhere. Uh, But these cops had uh, plate carriers on. So they had body armor, even though a lot of them were busting out the bottom and the sides of it. Um, Riot helmets, shields on site. Um, I can say that, uh, with relative certainty that, as, even though this isn't ideal, um, a 12 gauge, uh, with buckshot, which is what a lot of those guys run out of their, uh, out of their tactical shotguns, um, would do a pretty good job at, at, at breaking a door lock. Um, I know that's a lot of times in movies, it may take more than one. It's not, this isn't, this isn't some, you know, this isn't Hollywood. Uh, And no, it's not ideal, um, but distracting the shooter, even if it comes at the cost of your own life, could save lives. Again, I don't know why I need to explain that to police officers, but again, you know, the bar is pretty low. Uh, Let's go through the timeline here. Um, There were at least two students who made 911 phone calls. 1203, student calls and tell police where they are. I think they were in room 112 or 121 or something like that. 1210. Tells police multiple are dead. Uh, twelve thirteen calls again. Twelve sixteen calls and says eight to nine students are still alive. So at twelve sixteen, they knew that there were still children and in danger. Now what they had assumed for some fucking reason is that um, there were no more children in danger because he was barricaded in this room. I don't know why you make that assumption. I would have, I would imagine that you would assume the worst uh, and and behave under those circumstances, especially if you were still heard shots fired. Uh, Twelve nineteen, different student calls from another room. Twelve twenty one, three. Twelve twenty one, three shots overheard uh, on the on the call on the nine one one call. So those three shots were likely at least one person losing their life. Twelve thirty six, another call is made. Twelve forty three, asked to send police. Twelve forty seven asked to send police. Law enforcement was told to hold back from engaging. Director McCraw confirmed that Border Patrol agents and other law enforcement were told to hold back from engaging the gunman. And these are the guys that ended up going in uh, and, and taking care of the situation. McCraw stated that the shooter barricaded and was locked in a single classroom. Now, the way that works is that these classrooms um, had an adjoining, um, like Jack and Jill-style bathroom. So the classrooms were conjoined, kind of like if you... I know a lot of people grew up in those houses where your brother or sister was in the room adjoining, but you shared a bathroom. That's kind of how these classrooms are set up. So it's actually two classrooms um, joined by a bathroom there. So he was locked into one of those conjoined uh, classroom situations. The incident commander decided that there was, was time to get keys and wait for a tactical team with more equipment to breach. The incident commander who should never work in law enforcement or any type of public safety ever again in his entire fucking life and should be nothing but shamed until the day he dies, decided there was time to get keys and wait for a tactical team with more equipment to make a breach. So shields, helmets, and plate carriers, body armor, weren't enough. What do you need, a fucking tank? What are you waiting for? Jesus Christ. McCraw acknowledged that the decision by local police officers not to breach the classroom for what, for more than an hour as the rampage was taking place was the wrong decision. No shit. Obviously based on the information we have, there were children in that classroom that were at risk From the benefit of hindsight where I'm sitting now, of course that was was not the right decision. It was the wrong decision, period. McCraw said. Okay. Now, Another thing we, talk, we want to talk about here is is and something you're going to see me talk about a lot is this the local police not going in and engaging local police officers waited outside. Local police officers waited outside during the massacre that lasted around 40 minutes onlookers and those who rushed to the school pleaded for the officers to go into the building, but the officers waited outside and everybody's seen that video of a parent being detained uh, and, and parents rightfully losing their shit um, while police officers with tasers, with tasers handy, ready to tase parents who want to save their children. That was their priority. Some bystanders and parents even raised the idea of banding together and rushing into the school because of the police inaction. If only there were good guys with guns there. Isn't that what they always say? If only there were good guys with guns. Back to blue, right? These colors don't run, but they will stand there and do fucking nothing. (sighs) Police officers prevented parents and onlookers from entering the building. Police officers prevented parents and onlookers from entering the building. As the police awaited a combat team, tasers were held ready to hold the parents back. The shooter encountered a school district security officer outside the school before entering there are still conflicting reports on whether it's the two exchanged gunfire but the shooter was still able to make it inside and the officer did not engage. That seems like what they do in Uvalde, I guess. So no surprises there. Local police uh, were were waiting for a border patrol tactical team. The massacre was ended when several members of the border patrol tactical team and other agents joined local uh, forces to form a uh, local officers to form a team. That went after the gunmen. They entered the classroom and took out the barricaded shooter. By then, all the students and children in the room had been killed. How many lives could have been saved if you were willing to put yours on the line like you swore an oath to do? Now, the uh, police are trying, the Uvalde police are trying to um, say they were waiting for the Border Patrol tactical team, and they put that team together, and they joined forces. I have a hard time believing that based on what i've seen. What i've also heard and this is unconfirmed is that um the border patrol officer's wife was a teacher at the school and she texted him asking for help. And he got his shit together which many of these guys and and i'll be i'll be honest i i have this set up too even though i'm not a tactical guy or that's not really my modus operandi i have like things in my truck in case shit were to go down. And I'm assuming for someone who is a, is a on the Border Patrol tactical team who deals with cartel members and the like, um, that guy's kit in his car is probably pretty advanced. So all he had to do was get there. I think he only lived about a mile away. And if you want me to give the Uvalde PD and local law enforcement uh, any kind of credit for what happened at the end there, you're out of your goddamn mind. You I mean, you'll need to present prevent me present me with some extremely definitive evidence that um this Border Patrol tactical team officer um was working with them in the slightest. I like to think he probably told them to fuck off. And from what Sagar and Jetty said here, unfortunately this press conference makes it official. Uvaldi police held up Border patrol from taking down Ramos while he continued to kill kids despite 911 calls from kids to help. a colossal failure that only knowledge is only being acknowledged now by Texas Department of Public Safety. So yeah that seems more likely based on what we've seen. Uh, this is partly reminiscent of the Parkland shooting in 2018 where a school officer stayed outside during the massacre and retreated to a position of safety instead of storming after the gunman. Call her. So we're going to play a section of the press conference here. This is what everybody's talking about. It's, it's, it talks about hindsight and the 911 calls. But um, it's it's hard to hear, but I know you may have heard this, but this is something I found. Uh, this is just from a couple hours ago uh, as we're recording now. So let's dive into this.
1: Identified. I'll not say her name, but she was in room 112, called 911 at 1203. The duration of the call was 1 minute and 23 seconds. She identified herself and whispered, she's in room 112. At 1210, she called back in room 12, advised there multiple dead. 1213, again she called on the phone. Again at 1216, she called back and said there was eight to nine students alive. At 1219, a 911 call was made and, and another person in room 111 called I will not say her name. She hung up when another student told her to hang up. 12:21. You could hear over the 911 call that three shots were fired at 12:36. 911 call. It lasted for 21 seconds. The initial caller called back. Student child called back. Was told to stay on the line and be very quiet. She told 911 that he shot the door at approximately 12:43. At 12:47, she asked 911 to please send the police now. At 12:46, she said she could not; she, that she could hear the police next door. At 12:50, shots are fired; they can be heard over the 911 call. And at 12:51, is very loud and sounds like the officers are moving children out of the room. At that time first child call that called
0: was outside before the call cuts off. So you heard me kind of break that down as well, but um, from him, it's quite different, right? Because I wasn't responsible for protecting any children at this school, and he was. Uh, now, I'm not going to play every video from all the parents, but uh, I did want to play this one here. Uh, one of the fathers um, of a victim uh, is explaining his what he experienced from outside the school.
2: They said they rushed in and like and all that. Like I, I, we didn't see that, and we're from here at least the house away. You know, I we, we heard the shots. You know, we heard, but they they're just trying to go go back. Um, and they're let's do our job, but their job was to go in and, and save lives, not wait. And said it was just within minutes, and, and I don't know if you guys were there. The the, the policeman said it was like what 35, 45 minutes before, and that was the truth. Even though that that's. How long you know they went to actually what we saw was going and God knows how long my little girl or the rest were, were like that I honestly think that it, it could have been so a lot more could have been prevented prepared you know it's that I didn't see no preparedness at all I and mean, they as soon as they heard that gunshot they should have rushed in but while I was there I didn't see nobody rushed in and that's what the, the, the a lot of the parents were argue with the police. It was, Y'all need to go in. Y'all need to go do your jobs. And their 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 response was, "We're here to. We can't do our job because you guys are interfering." <laughs> but yeah, there's plenty of the guys there that can be going inside. You know, can go inside and do their job. And I, and I know it's, it's, it's hectic it was chaos, but still, I, I believe that there, there should have been more more training for for, for something like this. You know, nobody expected in a small town, but I promised my little girl Boy, <laughs> well, I hard her at the hospital, and I promised her, you know, her, her, um, her death was not going to be, you know, in vain.
0: Think about promising your little girl that her death's not going to be in vain. <sighs> so 19, it took 19 cops to keep the parents corralled. Maybe they wouldn't have been so irate if somebody would have been fucking doing something. just kills me man so we're gonna uh, play uh, this is a uh, I believe a Texas senator Gonzalez talking to Jake Tapper here let's hear what he has to say
3: I have two questions about this and maybe you can clear this up how was the gunman able to get into the school if the resource officer had engaged with him but no gunfire was exchanged how did he get in yeah so it, it started at his home you know he he tragically uh, shoots his, his grandmother, and then he gets in a vehicle and he drives to the school. It's, it's less than a mile away, so it's really right around the corner. And as he comes to the school, he, he wrecks. He kind of go, goes into this ditch, and it's when he got into that ditch is when law enforcement was was, was called and engaged. You know, So uh, that, that's part of the initial contact. Uh, it was no firing uh, that I understand. He actually enters through the back of one of the buildings, through the uh, the teacher parking lot, if you will. He immediately enters one room. And then essentially that's when the police, uh, the, the law enforcement officer, because it's not just police officers, it's it's sheriffs, it's border patrol agents. I mean, everybody came together. People are not even in, even in this county. And they basically cornered him into one room. There are hundreds of children in that school. Part of the story. There's a there's a, a lieutenant named Javier Martinez engages this this uh, uh assailant, he takes fire, he actually was wounded. You know, it's tragic to see so many children be murdered, but it this could have been a whole lot worse.
0: It's tragic to see this many children be murdered, but but it could have been worse? Are you fucking serious, dude? The cops don't need to be fucking coddled. They're not children. The people who died are children. They deserve safety. They deserve to be able to go to school without worrying about getting shot. That's not what they signed up for. On the other hand, the officer that was wounded was able to walk out of the school, unlike those 19 children and two adults that were murdered. There is no but.
3: People like Javier Martinez... And Chief uh, Arredondo, they saved hundreds of lives. So that's where well, you see him get pinned in. Well, he was pinned. But just to be clear, he's pinned down or pinned in in a classroom where he was slaughtering kids, right? I mean, is, is that what you mean by pinned down? I, I'm un- I, I understand that he went in that classroom and he begins to fire. He begins to murder people, starting with, the, with that, that wonderful teacher that was defending her students. And he doesn't stop. The police officer actually engages him. Uh, Javier uh, uh, Martinez engages him. He kind of takes fire uh, through the door, and then it stops, and he barricades himself in. That's where there's kind of a lull in the action. All of it, I understand, lasted about an hour.
0: A lull in the action. Maybe he just got tired of killing people. There was a lull in the action. Let that sink in. Handled like a true politician cunt.
3: Hour, but this is where there's kind of a 30-minute lull. They feel as if they got him barricaded in. The rest of the students in the school are now leaving. You know, they're trying to get people out uh, to safety, and, and this assailant is barricaded in. It, it, it's moments later or, or, or minutes later when they breach it, and then ultimately a Border Patrol agent is the one that... Uh,
0: moments later, my ass. We've seen the timeline now. It's very clear that you're full of shit.
3: Uh, neutralizes this assailant. All right, it still seems like a lot of time that the police were outside the classroom and the shooter was inside the classroom where there were kids.
0: That's- yeah, it does, doesn't it? And just to give uh, some context on how horrible this is, and and, and there's no need to hold back, cause this is this is, this is, a, this is a, an incredible tragedy. The families of those involved in the Texas school shooting were asked to give DNA swabs to help identify victims. Jesus Christ. <sighs> so, yeah, you know, when this first happened, I went to Fox News to say, "Hey, let's see what the conservatives have to say." Makes sure, you know, make sure this isn't being run with. But it's all the same article: Texas shooting, loved ones outside school, begged police to go inside during shootings, and I, um, yeah. So let's discuss a little more about what's going on and what's being uh, kind of thrown around. And I want to clear some things up. So as I brought up in the intro to the show, uh, I bought an AR uh, actually an M16 when I was, uh, when I was 18 years old. Um, It's not that hard to do when you're 18, if you don't have to pay rent or, you know, for pay for food, these kind of things. People say that this kid's truck was like $50,000 from the photo that I saw that looked like a, 2010 ish F one fifty. That wasn't the current the newer models. Um so that's silly. That could be a hand-me-down. Uh three thousand dollars of the weapons just isn't that much money to spend in reality if you're working at Wendy's and not paying rent or paying for food, like that's a big cost, right? So you can save that money up pretty quick. Um, again, I know because I did it. I worked in the summer and I was making less than this kid probably made at Wendy's. I was making ten dollars an hour and time and a half overtime. And was able to save up some money and, and buy uh, myself you know a Bushmaster back in the day. Um, kind of thought it was silly after a while. I Kind of got a got to the point where I was like, this thing's not really useful for me. Um, but I want to, uh, yeah, I want to say that I, I I've been in that situation, so it, it's for me, it's a, it's not a surprise that some kid could save up three grand and spend it on. What were uh, really high-end, actually, uh, rifles, the uh, Daniels Defense weapons are, are, are relatively expensive. I actually looked at them um, not that long ago when I was looking at purchasing my own uh, M4s. So, uh, yeah, you know, we don't know a whole lot about this kid, um, and I'm going to call him a kid because he's 18 years old, and 18-year-olds are idiots, and they're kids. Um, he was clearly disturbed. You'll have people like uh, Candace Owens saying that this is blaming this on trans people and him wearing eyeliner um, as if Donald Trump doesn't wear more makeup than a drag queen on a Saturday night. Like, I don't understand what that has to do with anything, and I really don't appreciate attention whores trying to grift off of the murder of innocent children um, while pretending to care about the lives of children, by the way. Uh, I don't appreciate that at all, and I think it's it's hollow, it's shameful, um, and it's... It's it's honestly cruel. Um, in this situation, you'll have people say in many shootings, uh, you know, well, criminals will still get guns. Well, this kid didn't really have time to become a criminal because he was 18. He wasn't a criminal until he just had to shoot up a bunch of a, a, an elementary school. Right now, there were tons of red flags, but living with your grandparents that may not know what the hell is going on or may not, may not be connected with this uh, modern era. Um. He went around to say it. Nobody said anything. A lot of his friends were online. He was bullied a lot and called, you know, homophobic slurs and for whatever, for wearing eyeliner. That's small town, Texas shit, man. That that's, you know, it hasn't changed much since when I was a kid. Anybody who's different, dresses different, acts different gets, has a pretty brutal time, you know, not to make excuses for this motherfucker at all. Um, I would be curious to know what kind of uh, psychotropic drugs he was on Uh, because I think that there's a place to say somebody who's deeply disturbed, maybe uh, leaning towards sociopathy uh, that's put on an antipsychotic that makes you feel nothing, um, that takes away maybe the feelings of anxiety or whatever it is, uh, but also takes away any kind of feeling of empathy. Um, plays a role in this potentially as well you won't hear that being said because big pharma owns our media outlets so but i would be curious um, if that news ever comes to light what was going on there um i don't you know it's relatively predictable what's going on from the left and the right um but not as predictable as it as it used to be you know i think when you have something like this happen and I would, I wish I could focus on the shooter more. But we just don't know much about this kid. I don't want to say his name a bunch of times. I did say his last name earlier, which I was trying not to do, but it did slip. Um, you know, it's a, uh, it's hard to understand. You know, we've had people say something about him playing online video games, you know, and now maybe I'm more mentally, emotionally healthy than, than these kids. I'm assuming that any of these kids that do this kind of thing or, or adults that do this kind of thing, but You know, I played a lot of pretty graphic video games when I was a kid, and I can't, you know, whether I kill a duck or a deer, I still feel it. You know, it's, it's, well, it's excitement and happiness and sadness. It's kind of all mixed together. I can't, you know, I don't, I can't say from personal experience that I've, there's a correlate between that actually desensitizing, you know. But, of course, I wasn't playing video games 12 hours a day. I just played with my friends, and uh, it's just... There's a lot going on here, and when we talk about you know the gun issue, I think, and we're going to get to that in kind of the second piece of the show here. I don't think it's appropriate for 18 year old kids to be able to get their hands on these kind of weapons, you know, whether it's a uh, uh, semi-automatic pistols, magazine-fed semi-automatic rifles. Um, these kids, maybe 18 year old kids 30 years ago were cut from a different cloth than 18 year old kids are now, but we're dealing with a new reality. Um and I know I hate to say it, and I wish that wasn't true. And you'll have people say, "Well, eighteen-year-olds can go fight and die overseas," which I also really disagree with. Uh, but to keep the military industrial complex fed, you got to have kids that are too young and dumb to uh, know what they're getting themselves into to go risk their lives for what's turned out, you know, turning Afghanistan from the Taliban to the Taliban. Um, but those guys actually, you know, if you go into the military, you actually get firearms training. You know what I mean? Like you get taught how these things work. I was able to buy an AR at 18. I didn't even know how to hold the slide back, lock the slide back. And at that time, like YouTube wasn't as prevalent. There wasn't as many tutorials out there. Um, So I just kind of had to figure things out as I was going. And um, it's much different as we're going to get to in the last segment of the show, uh, as I kind of break down different types of long guns. Uh, Yeah. So as we look at all of this and, 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 think through this, it's a very complex issue. There's a lot of moving parts here. There's a lot of nuance here, and with all that being said, it's really, um, it's really challenging to kind of wrap your mind around this whole thing. You know, you have police. I, I think you know, like I said, a portion of these deaths are on the, on the hands of the of the police, the local police. Um, but what this guy did is unspeakably evil, and it, and it's, again, it's hard to wrap my mind around. I know people came to this for some kind of unbiased uh, take. But as I'm just reading through my notes here, it's, you know, it's strange. It's strange to see this. Um, So we'll kind of move forward here. And I I really want to talk about, I know this is a different show and it's not as smooth and all that kind of stuff, but I really want to talk about gun violence as it relates to this situation, which is rare, right? Let's just put the stats out there um, as they are, I think in 2021 or I think it was, that was the year. And I'm going to, these numbers are rough, so don't hold me to the exact numbers, but something like 350 people died of um, right from rifles in 2021. That's not all that many people. Um, so it was making gun accidents, murders. It could have been a wide variety of things. Uh, the vast majority of gun violence is done with handguns. Uh, and we know that, right? But what I want to look at here and, and my good friend Amir, and I really respect his opinion. He said, you know, 400 kids under the age of 16 were shot in Chicago over the last 12 months. And yes, that is a bigger tragedy than what happened in New Valley. But as we look at this whole thing, and I, and he says, you know, you care about what the media care, tells you to care about. I think if those stories got more airtime and more news, um, that would be good. I would actually like to see more media around those senseless deaths. You know, whether it's kids from bad homes and crime-filled neighborhoods, uh, getting into gang violence. And that's what a lot of mass shootings are, whether it's race independent, right? White gangs, black gangs, whatever, these shootouts between rivals, that's what creates the majority of mass shootings. You know, it's more than four people being shot at any one time. Uh, very rarely is that a person in a supermarket or a school. But what I want to do here is, is I'm trying to start productive conversations. Um, I think that's what, that's what's lacking here. I think partisanship, partisanship is killing productive conversations around the issue. Um, as someone who's pro-secondary myself, as you'll see soon, um, I think we have to have a real conversation around the what these gun violence, violent acts with firearms, right, are a, symptom, a larger symptom of. I think in inner-city Chicago, where gang violence and crime are out of control, That gun violence is the symptom of socioeconomic issues. Poverty, very little access to upper mobility. I mean, these are the people that are also getting hammered the most. The poor people and the lower class people and the working class people are getting hammered the most by inflation and the consequences of our boom bust economic cycle, right? The the bottom 99%, which again, the bottom 10% of that bottom 99% gets hurt the worst, um, has seen stagnant or shrinking wages, um, and you just it was just led to more and more crime as an outlet. And I think we can look at that and say, "Hey, yeah, the end result is someone being killed by a firearm, but it's a symptom of a different problem. These aren't psychotic, evil people necessarily. I think a lot of times those crimes are are either." bystanders of acts of desperation. And I don't think a lot of people, you know, as much as they like to be characterized this by the right, particularly, I don't think a lot of people choose violent crime as a uh, first option. I think if you watch something like the wire, which is very real as far as the way it portrays uh, the drug business, drug crime and violence, gang violence, um, you'll see that a lot of people that get into that, into that game, and again, you play stupid games, you win stupid prizes, but when it's out of desperation and providing for people you care about or finding camaraderie or tribalism, whatever it is, right? We can look at all the psychological factors, which there are many. Um, we look at this thing and say, hey, I think we can agree that that's a symptom of a different problem. Whereas when you look at these mass shooters in schools, supermarkets, things like that, these white supremacy shooters, these other different people, um, I think, and Trust me, I hate to say this, but it's a mental health issue on that side and a gun issue. and Maybe not a gun issue as far as like the guns exist, but access to these firearms is a part of the fucking problem. And if you can't acknowledge that, I have a hard time believing that you're a good faith actor. Now, where that fault lies, is it, there's a variety of places, right? The people that run these background check organizations are often way out of date. So someone could have been convicted of domestic violence and then a week later go buy a firearm and it just wasn't in the database yet. Which to me um is criminal. It's criminal. You know, I actually had a conversation with someone at Sportsman's warehouse and here I was looking to buy um a shotgun for duck hunting and I was in there and they were like, Yeah man, this guy came in and he had wanted, he had ordered a very specific handgun. It was a Desert Eagle and 357 Magnum, which most people don't get when they get a Desert Eagle, they get a forty four Magnum. Uh, so he's like, it was kind of weird, but he wanted what he wanted, came in, he was a felon in a different state and he didn't think it crossed state lines. Well, then he sends his son in and the son asked specifically for a desert eagle and 357. So they knew something was up and kudos to those guys at sportsman's warehouse. And I say they the name of that company because I want to give them a shout out. Those guys knew something was up and would not sell that guy, the firearm because they knew he was buying it for someone else that was incapable of buying their own. You know, but that stuff, how many, how many people are, how many small gun shop owners are going to say like, oh yeah, no, I'm not going to make this money. Like a lot of people look the other way. So when we look at these school shootings and these mass shootings, and I, and I don't even like the term mass shootings because it, it is too broad, but these, like when I'm talking about supermarkets, movie theater, schools, we have to acknowledge that's a symptom of a different problem. Now, a lot of those things correlate. There is a lot of overlap, right? Um, isolation a zero-trust society, as Sagar and Jetty called it. Um, many, many people, I think, support for banning handguns used to be like 40%, now it's 19%. Because people feel threatened. They feel threatened by the government, they feel threatened, they've been they've been taught to be threatened of their neighbors, thanks to the way that our media leverages fear. Uh, and, you know, you'll see these lines like, there's more guns in this country than there are people. Yeah, that is true. Uh, but that being said, anybody who's, you know, hunts more than three species is going to have five or six guns. and Then maybe a couple that got handed down. The average number of guns per gun owner is 10. Right. And I'm, I'm a perfect example of that I'm not going to tell anybody how many firearms I have, but you know, when you think about one for ducks, one for deer and smaller, uh, big game, one for elk and bit larger, big game, um one for upland birds and then like a a smaller caliber rifle and then there's there's five right there right and a couple more they got handed me down or maybe upgraded and kept the old ones you can see you can get to 10 pretty quick and then you have people like i know people who have 100 or 150 or 200 like that's like the thing and they love doing that they have a fireproof room in their house full of guns and that's great it's cool it's you know those are the kind of people generally that you want to have these kind of things. They're not psychopathic 18-year-old kids trying to shoot up an elementary school. They're adults who are passionate about firearms. And I understand that. I I totally understand that. Collectors oftentimes. So I think when we talk about gun violence, we need to be more open-minded and nuanced in the way that we look at different types of gun violence. Because yes, objectively, what's happened in Chicago, I mean, they have 20-some-odd shootings a weekend, you know? But that is a symptom of a different problem. And while these school shootings and the like make up a small fraction of overall gun violence, I feel as though these are more preventable and deserve more care, right? Chicago has some of the most restrictive gun laws in the country and some of the most gun violence. Same goes for New York. And when you put these gun laws in place, I hate to say an NRA talking point, when you put the gun laws in place, those only apply to law-abiding gun owners. Criminals will get guns. Different situation than somebody who is not a criminal until they perpetuate some kind of shooting like what happened in Uvalde. Like an 18-year-old kid who's spending $3,000 on firearms. Um a lot of times when we say we have the most school shootings we want to look at those numbers as well right what that means that we have the most shootings on school grounds the vast majority of those are disputes between two students again often gang related or you know whatever over a girl like that shooting each other in the parking lot or something like that it's not somebody going into the school with the purpose with the purpose of killing as many people as they can So that also has to be considered in this, right? You can skew the data however you want to fit your narrative, and both sides can and will do that to kick the can down the road and not have productive conversations. That is a theme you will hear throughout this entire episode, is that partisanship destroys our ability to have productive conversations. They're dug in, they're bought by interests, they have agendas, They have talking points and very few original thoughts of their own. They are paid for. And you will see that in enough distraction over the next two weeks, because in a couple weeks, two, three weeks, maybe a month, something else will happen. We'll be talking about Ukraine again, or we'll be talking about, you know, whatever. And then we'll just sit around till the next one. And I say that because it's the same exact fucking thing that's happened every single time. And we just wait around for the next one so we can have the same hoopla here and there, ban all the guns, we need more guns. Instead of sitting down and having an honest conversation. So as we look at this, and the point of this, this section of the show is looking at different types of gun violence and why the end, while the end result may be a, a, a bullet leaving a firearm and ending someone's life that's a symptom of different problems. Oftentimes that we need to be able to zoom out and look at those things, understand what's going on and try to solve the root causes versus just throwing out pre-approved talking points and saying whatever the people that follow you on social media want you to say. Now I'm not in the business of saying what people want me to say. I'm in the business of being honest and I, while I can be wrong, what I'm aiming to do here is, is create a starting point for a discussion. Um, and I think that's a better way to go about it. I'm open to 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 to, to having the, the conversations that are being unwilling to be had. If someone if someone who's super pro a or super anti gun wants to have me on their show or wants to have a discussion on Instagram or something like that, I am extremely willing to do that from either side and try and steel man both sides because I have a solid understanding of both sides more than most people who have a very strong opinion on either side. So. As we look at it again, root causes, symptoms. While the end result may be the same, let's look at the root causes and try and find that, and be honest about that, and use that as a solution to a very pervasive problem. Now, as we go on here, um, I know I wanted to talk about some different types of firearms and some different reform ideas that I think could make sense. You know, I had I had a conversation with a. Uh, a very pro to a guy. His name's Johnny. I forget his last name. Sorry, Johnny uh, on, on IG live yesterday. Really good conversation, right? He's a New Yorker. So he has a different view of somebody. than I grew up in Texas and now I live in Colorado. I'm in the West. So we have a different culture in both places. And New York has a very different culture as well. He experiences some of the most restrictive, crazy gun laws. Um, I don't never really have, uh, some are silly. um, and I think we have to have a conversation of, when I look at this, I think we need to audit the entire firearm system, right? I'm not talking about making a national gun registry or limiting the number of guns someone can own. I'm not doing that. I'm not talking about people taking your shit either, okay? So I don't need those comments. I don't need that, that, those feedback. That's not what I'm saying. I will say this. As I talk about reform and different types of firearms, I will never advocate Let me repeat this and remember this. I will never advocate for something that will limit someone's right to defend themselves. That is one of the most foundational pieces of the second amendment. And I am super grateful for that. And I have a lot of respect for the second amendment and the way that we have gone about it. But I think we need to look at some things a little differently. So with that being said, um, I'm going to pull up a few different firearms. All these firearms are legally owned by owned by me. They're all unloaded. And I will I'll demonstrate that with each one because that's what you should do. Um, and we're going to have a discussion because I want, here's again, what I want to do with this. So many people are condescending pricks, right? And Coleo de War is not, but like they don't ever go through the, like the, the the basics, the 101 of long guns. We're not going to talk about handguns here. I do have one here that I can show you, but we're going to go through the basic one-on-ones of long guns, shotguns, ARs, different types of rifles, okay? So, we're going to start off with a lever action 30-30. This is the kind of thing you used to see in a John Wayne movie. I got this gun when I was about 10 years old. Of course, it wasn't mine. I didn't own it, but it was for me. This is my primary deer rifle when I was a kid. So, what you'll see here again, and I know you guys on uh, audio only are going to have a hard time with this, but this is a lever action Rifle. Okay. Again, this is like some John Wayne shit. We're not going to talk about this much, but just so you know, lever action makes sense, right? The lever runs the action. Again, it is unloaded. All of these guns are unloaded and they all are legally owned by me. Instagram, Facebook, you guys know what I'm talking about, YouTube. Okay. Lever action rifle, technically a long gun, not something we're going to talk about, but something that's, you know, I want you to know what you're talking about, whether you're criticizing the Second Amendment or praising it know what you're talking about okay this is not gonna be super technical but we're just going through the basics this slings are getting all caught up here again unloaded right this is a semi-automatic hunting style shotgun now i say hunting style because you have home defense style shotguns and you have tactical style shotguns which are very similar and you also have, uh, I mean, there's a wide variety of shotguns, magazine fed shotguns. This is fed through a tube here, holds five rounds in the tube. It has th- only holds three now because it has a plug in it, which makes it legal for hunting most, uh, winged animals. Uh, so it holds two in the chamber, can go out to five, uh, and one or two in the, excuse me, two in the tube, one in the chamber. So it's loaded on the bottom here, one at a time. Okay. The lever action I just showed you is loaded from the side one at a time. It's important. Think about that. What we have here is your typical hunting rifle. Okay. This is a bolt action rifle. This is a in 300 wind mag. Um, empty. Okay. Bolt action. Okay, so what this means, this and this is very common amongst almost all firearms, is the bolt. It's what pushes the, the uh, cartridge forward, right? And this is manually driven, one at a time. You unlock the bolt, pull it back, rechamber around. Okay, this one is magazine fed, but many are not. You would load them through the action here. Okay. And then this, again, empty, is an M4 from Aero Precision. This is, now, people, when they want to discredit you or strongman, you will say, it's not an assault rifle, it's not an AR-15, it's an M4, it's an M16. They're just trying to big dick you to distract you so they don't actually have to have a conversation, okay? AR-15s, M16s. And M4s are all built on the AeroLite platform. Or Armalite? Yeah, Armalite. No, <laughs> Armalite, excuse me. This is Arrow Precision. I got those mixed up. Armalite platform. Okay? So when you say AR does not stand for Assault Rifle, I know that makes the most sense based on the nomenclature of the time, but it's not what it stands for. It stands for Armalite. Okay? This is Magazine Fed. And I have one right here. Now, again, this magazine is empty. It is loaded from the bottom, like so. Magazine comes out, like here. Okay. And I wanted to show these to demonstrate something. All right? Let's use, people will say, some people like to call these modern sporting rifles for whatever fucking reason. I don't understand why they would be called that any more than the inappropriate term assault rifle. Now people will say assault rifle or assault weapons, whatever was a term manufactured from the radical left to make these things sound scary. That is a lie. The term assault rifle was popularized in the eighties to speak about civilian models of guns like these and military models. They said assault, assault rifle, assault pistol, and people say, well, assault weapons was a term that was made up. If you want to play that semantic game with me, fuck off, okay? Because if I had an Uzi, which they called an assault pistol in the 80s, right, and I have an AR or an M16 or an M4, which they called an assault rifle in the 80s, I have assault weapons. It's plural. You get it? You get how that makes sense? So let's stop being condescending pricks because we know more about guns than somebody who didn't grow up around guns or doesn't, isn't interested in guns, right? Because being a condescending prick doesn't really do anything, does it? It's not really productive. It just makes you feel good for trying to make somebody else feel stupid. Charlie Kirk, I'm talking to you. If you want to have a gun knowledge uh, battle, I would love to do that anytime, any place. But I don't feel the need to be a condescending prick to people that I know more about guns than they do for my own self-satisfaction. So for some reason, just like now, the anti-gun folks have used assault rifle to make these things sound scary, even though it was used in the 80s because sounding scary was cool and movies like Predator were out, right? It was popular, that's when they got popularized. Now they're calling them, the pro-gun people are calling them modern sporting rifles, okay? Now I wanna have a conversation about what I would consider a modern sporting rifle. My, my Browning 300 wind mag right here. This rifle is used for sport. Now I understand that three gun is a sport, but modern sporting implies hunting. There's really one great hunting application for an AR-15 or an AR-10 or an M4 or an M16, and that's hunting pigs. Hunting pigs, it's very effective. Incredibly Effective. Because you want your goal with hunting pigs as a nuisance species and an invasive species that are wrecking natural environments, is to kill as many as possible, right? Similar to the way a mass shooter in a grocery store or a school or a movie theater is generally trying to kill as many people as possible, right? So the effectiveness overlaps. Quick target ap- acquisition, light, almost no recoil. Now, when I think about firearms and what their uses are and their practicality, I think about caliber, rate of fire, and capacity. And by capacity, I mean how many rounds a magazine will hold. Okay, the, the magazine I have here for this um, this M4 is a 30-round magazine. Now, that opposed to what I consider a modern sporting rifle, the Browning X-Bolt, a very high-end um Consumer model hunting rifle. Very light. Very little recoil thanks to what's called a muzzle brake here on the end. That ported barrel there. Which disperses the recoil out to the sides and up and down. Kind of around the barrel so it doesn't come into your shoulder. Which allows you to follow up shots um, on animals. So you shoot an elk. The gun doesn't pop as much up and back. So you're able to get back on target quickly if you need to make a follow up shot. That being said, this thing holds... Four rounds. This 300 wind mag holds four rounds, whereas this AR can hold up to, I don't know, 150 if you have a double barrel mag. Like that's a thing. So, yeah, we need to be honest about the conversation that this 300 wind mag and this M4 are not the same thing. Yes, they're both rifles. In the same way that a base model F 150 and a Ford Raptor are both F 150s and both pickups, but they're sure as fuck not the same thing. Same thing can be said for a modern F-150 of any type and a semi truck. Yeah, they, they have wheels and they go down the road, but they're not the same thing. And I think we need to have an honest discussion about that. Does that mean I want everybody? I'm not over work. I'm not telling you you don't need one. It's not my place to tell you you don't need one. It's no one's place to tell you you don't need one or what you need. That's not what I'm talking about here. What I'm trying to do is create a place for honest conversation and dialogue. So after a little show and tell there, we have an idea from what is a modern sporting rifle and what is a... um, and what I'll most accurately describe is a high-capacity, semi-automatic, magazine-fed rifle, or an AR, what is commonly known as an assault rifle, even though, again, that is an inappropriate term. So, let's continue down this, this kind of rabbit hole of, of a regular consumer F-150 versus a semi-truck. You can get a driver's license at 16. In a lot of places, you can get a hardship license like Texas where I grew up at 15 if you live far enough away from the school and it's an undue burden on your parents to give you a ride and there's no bus routes, right? So if you prove that you're capable at 15, you can get a driver's license at 15 called a hardship license, generally get a license at 16. If you want to get a CDL, which allows you to drive an 18-wheeler or a big rig, you can get that at 18, but you cannot use that license out of state, the state it was issued, until you were 21 because... 18 year olds are fucking idiots. So let's have a conversation around what our current gun laws are in a lot of these States. Now, New York, California, Oregon. I don't know. Y'all have a different situation. I'm talking to the Texas, the States in the West, South Dakota, Midwest, the, the heart of the country. As of now, you can buy a long gun, whether that be a shotgun or a rifle at the age of 18. And you can buy handguns at the age of 21. Okay. That's pretty standard, right? If you want to go anything, if you, need, if you want to conceal carry in a lot of states, Texas is a, is a constitutional carry state. I think Utah is as well. More states are doing that now where you need no um, concealed handgun license uh, to carry uh, a concealed handgun. But in a lot of states, you have to pass a concealed handgun course, which is an absolute joke and then go and register that with the police department, do a background check, things like that. Um, that's what it takes to carry a firearm around with you. Uh, an open carry state, you can carry it openly where it's visible, and that is legal as well. And I believe Colorado is an open carry state. So, but let's continue down this analogy. So, you can't get a CDL till you're 18, and you can't take that CDL out of state till you're 21. That, to me, is actually a really good law. So, our current gun laws, you can buy a long gun at 18, you can buy a pistol at 21. So, what if we did this? I think there's places, and I have a few magazines here. I think there's some gun laws that are absolutely silly. This is a magazine for my uh Pig three uh, SIG P370. Um, if you see here, it has little dents on the side. This is probably a 16 round magazine that's been shortened to only hold 10 rounds. Uh it's annoying, it's senseless, and it it's it, it's ineffective. Because I mean, it comes with three of these. It does not hard. If I was actually going to do something with this, that was criminal. I wouldn't be concerned about a 10 round magazine. I could just get another one somewhere else, anywhere, right? Local, whatever. And it's no big deal. This is a senseless gun law, a senseless gun law. Okay. Magazines are all over the place. They're easy to get. You can get them used you can get them all over the place. If you want a hundred round magazine for a handgun, they exist. Right for most common production models, for civilians. Senseless gun law needs to be rolled back. The, uh, another gun law that's absolutely senseless is the use of suppressors. If you want a suppressor, and I want a suppressor for this, actually for this 300 Win Mag right here, because I would like to be able to hunt with it without having to use ear protection. Um, I have to order that pay the state a couple hundred dollars a year or the the federal government a couple hundred dollars a year. It stays in the ATF jail for about eight months before it's released to me. That is a nonsense gun law based on the movies, okay? Whenever you shoot a gun with a suppressor on it, the majority of that crack that you hear when you shoot a firearm or you hear a firearm go off is actually the bullet breaking the sound barrier. It has nothing to do with the actual... Uh, firing of the gun. There's some noise associated with that, but a suppressor doesn't necessarily make a gun quiet. It just makes it not at the point where it would damage someone's hearing. In a lot of places, you're actually required to use a suppressor while hunting because it's a nuisance how loud they are. That's a silly gun law. Should be repealed, should be rolled back, right? We have a no, new, as I said, a complete audit of our system. There are so many nonsensical gun laws out there. Now, like I said, to have an honest conversation around the difference between a sporting rifle, a modern hunting rifle type, type setup, any of these guns I have here except for this M4, except for this AR, right? We have to have the acknowledge that these are not the same thing, Okay. The rate of fire may be similar. I mean, this 300 wind mag is much bigger than a 5.56 or 2.23 that most ARs are chambered in, right? So the actual round, the projectile is more deadly, but I have four shots per magazine, and it is a pain in the ass to reload. Even if I had three or four magazines, I can't get one of those out, put it in, before somebody was able to rush me or tackle me if I wanted to go do something violent. Right? Same can be said for the semi-automatic 12-gauge. Right? Semi-automatic shotguns are actually you know, to- are really famous for like having very little recoil. That's why I bought this this one and, it said it, and changed out my pump action for the semi-auto. The rate of fire in this is, is a little slower but relatively similar to an AR. But at most it holds five rounds. Or six, I guess, if you put one in the chamber. Right? And reload time means I have to take one shell and slide it through this action here at a time. That's not fast, right? The rate rate of fire is very similar. Now if we go to something like this John Wayne lever action, I could actually demonstrate, based on this action, the rate of fire. It's this. I get six of those, and then I've got to slide one individual shell, or excuse me, cartridge, through this hole right here to reload until I get it loaded up with six again. Versus this M4, where I can shoot 30 rounds in 20 seconds? Accurately? Downrange? And then I just do this. And this. And we're back in business. That's quite a bit of a difference. Am I right? But I think you should have a right to own one of these. Is it adequate for home protection? If you're trained, yeah, it could be. Is it the best thing for home protection for somebody who's untrained? Absolutely not. So, as we continue the discussion, I know this is long, guys, but as I said we're doing we're doing long guns 101 today. So as we have this discussion, let's say this: twenty one for handguns is appropriate. Um, I also said I don't want to ever limit anybody's ability to protect themselves, and we're going to acknowledge that most hunting style uh, consumer firearms and ARs. And also, I want to throw in something like this as well. This is unloaded. This is my pig, SIG P370. I guess he's saying PIG SIG 370. No, it's my SIG P370 M17. This is different than a modern revolver. And Josh can throw a revolver on the screen there. Revolver holds six rounds, slow reload time. This is going to load very similar to an AR with a magazine like this. So we can say this is a little bit different than a you know a little 38 special snub nose or something like that. So how about with this? We do classify them differently. And yes, I understand this is a slippery slope. And I'm as fearful of that slippery slope as well. But what if, and then again, this is a starting point for a conversation. What if really nothing changed when it comes to bolt-action rifles, hunting-style shotguns with lower capacity, like five or six rounds, like most of them have, your lever-action cowboy guns, your break over um, uh, double barrel shotguns over under, side by side, single shots. All that stuff, kosher, the way it is. Those aren't really used for these kind of shootings. Not something that needs to be addressed. And they're really great for home defense. You can get yourself, if you're one of, if you're someone out there who doesn't have a lot of gun experience and you're looking for something for home defense, I wouldn't recommend an AR. I wouldn't recommend a handgun. I'd recommend you get a tactical style home defense, 20 gauge or 12 gauge, and run buckshot out of it for a couple of reasons. One, it's a lot harder to miss with a shotgun. Close range, which would probably be in your apartment, is where that thing's going to be the most effective, which is exactly what you need. You also have less of an issue of bullets flying into, through the drywall into your neighbor's apartment, right? Now, buckshot will go through some drywall, but with much less velocity than a 5.56, five, 3.08, oh, something like that. Right. Seven, six, two, AK 47, any of these kind of things. Like those things are going to move through drywall and barely get slowed down. Whereas buckshot, not so much. Right. Highly effective for home protection. I'll have a lot of females that live by themselves for the first time. Like, Hey, I want to get a gun for home protection. I'm like, get yourself a 20 gauge shorter barrel and run that, put it under your bed. It's easy to use. If you don't feel like training, if you're not into this kind of thing, that's a great home protection firearm. If you want something to carry, As, as someone for protection, you want something small, a little 38 special revolver. Great for that. Right? If you're trying, someone's attacking you and you're in close proximity, you want something small so you can get a hold of it quick. Turn it, maybe shoot. Maybe you're shooting it through your purse. Maybe you're shooting it through whatever you've got it in. Right? That's not ideal, but these situations aren't ideal. So what I'm saying is an AR-15 isn't required for home protection. And I would argue, unless you are trained, it's not even the best option but I never want to restrict your ability to have one unless you're 18 years old because 18 year olds are fucking idiots and there is zero requirement. There's not many more requirement to buy that AR or that M4 or that M16 or whatever you guys want to call it. Right? And there is to buy that shotgun or that 300 win mag, but it's a completely different game, a completely different game. So, Here's what I propose, again, as a starting place for this conversation. What if we did this? Roll back some of these stupid gun laws, like 10-round magazines that are required, right? Make suppressors not stay in ATF jail for a year before you can get them, right? That's silly. There's a bunch of other... We can go down the list of all the silly gun laws that need to be rolled back. And we do this with semi-automatic pistols and high-capacity semi-automatic rifles. you got to be 25. you got to be 25 years old. Your prefrontal cortex is now fully developed. It's given people time to become violent criminals that beat their wife up if they're going to do any of those things that would bar them from getting a gun, right, to getting one of these weapons. It's given them time to do that. It's hard to become a criminal by the time you're 18. By the time you're 25, if you're a fuck-up, you're going to be fucking up. Okay, now... I brought the hardship license in Texas for a reason. If you would like to get one between the ages of 18 and 25, you have to pass a competency course and a mental health check. No big deal. I think that could actually be a great jobs program for former military, military veterans, former police officers, former trainer people that trained in the military to show people how to use these firearms, what to do with them, how to appropriately store them, how to do the basics? How to clean them? Make it a one-day course. Make it subsidized by the government. Doesn't cost you cost you twenty bucks, right? Not cost prohibitive. Locally available. You could partner with Bass Pro Shop and Shields and Cabela's and these other places. Make it happen, All right, Partner with local shooting ranges. You've now created a jobs program for former police trainers and military veterans while also providing easily accessible firearm education and training to people that want to get involved and get engaged. But by the time you're 25, if you don't have a criminal record, you're not beating up women or assaulting people or robbing stores or whatever the fuck you're doing, I don't know, all the things that can keep you from becoming a felon, all the things that can keep you from getting a firearm, well, then that's your debt. But if you want one before then, there's a, there's an accessible pipeline for you to get one before the age of 25. And the thing is, most people who are over 25 can attest to this. Um, you're not really an adult until you're 25. And yes, I understand that you can go fight and die in foreign wars when you're at the age of 18. And I think that's fucking bullshit too. I think you should be at least 21 before you can enlist in the military. But that would damage the people that own our politicians. So that won't happen. So there is my gun 101, and Phobes Reform. Again, it's a starting place for a conversation, guys. It's a a starting place. Don't come at me and be like, oh, you're going to take my guns away. It's a slippery slope. I understand all those things. But I'm trying to have a productive conversation, not tell you how to live your life. And that's the difference between me, as somebody who's politically homeless, and the people that are screaming and yelling online. I hope you got something out of this episode. This is not a fun episode. I don't like pulling firearms out here and doing a show and tell, but I felt it was necessary and somebody needed to do it because no one really was. No one really was. Everybody wants to scream and yell and be condescending and straw man like motherfuckers and it's exhausting. So we're an hour and 20 in here. Glad we got this done guys. I appreciate you being here again. And uh, I said I was not going to do ads in this show. I'm not going to, but if you could support our sponsors, I'd be, I'd really appreciate that. We're going to put all these videos out. If you could share those, if you think this should be helpful with some, maybe, maybe just this is this gun education piece. We're going to cut this thing up into a, a lot of pieces because I want people to go to get the most out of this because I would like to, again, I'm doing my part or trying to do my part here to create productive dialogue. Okay. I appreciate you guys. I love you guys. Keep your head on straight. It's a crazy time out there stay safe. If you feel up to it, I actually do recommend getting, um, trained up with firearms, get your concealed carry. We live in a weird time right now. No one trusts each other. And that only leads to more violence, but just stay safe, protect yourself. If you have any questions at all, reach out and I'll do my best to support you. Stay safe out there guys. See you next time.